is a code of silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 12th of February 2009. For newcomers, I always advise the going to cuttingthroughthematrix.com and on the website you'll find lots of talks I've given in the past where I go through some of the histories of the big system. It's one big system that runs the world more so than ever before and it's tightening its grip pretty well by the day and by the week now because it's like the wolf that smells the blood at the end of his chase. It's almost there. I try to give you the shortcuts and show you the big players and how it's been done. And it's been documented as they do it. That's just it by the players themselves, at least the front men that we are used to seeing. And many of the technocrats, the ones who work behind the scenes and travel all over the world and who are unelected by any people, they work for private foundations. Really all spawned from the same one basic foundation. Also, look into Alan Watt Sentinel.eu for transcripts which you can download and print up, written in the various languages of Europe. And I've been going over this last time, this last while in fact, a lot of data concerning this, what they call the New World Order. At one time they'd laugh at you and poo-poo you, and the mainstream they call you a conspiracy nut. If you even read any of the articles put out by the big technocrats like Brzezinski or Kissinger or any of these players or Marie Strong, but now it's in your face and it's okay when the mainstream talks about it. So I'll be mentioning some more about that tonight as well, but I'm going to continue later after this break with Hope of the Wicked as he goes through this, this basically... This timetable is different things are introduced into the societal consciousness because that's how it's done. It's all done by preparation of groundwork through education, media, and then, of course, they bring forth laws and treaties and suddenly run something always new. They're building a structure. These are builders, master builders, who plan to build the structure of society across the planet. And they've written about it, as they say, in their own books for an awful long time centuries in fact it's just that they, they couldn't tell the public because the public wouldn't like to go along with it, we, we are content generally in our nations uh, amongst people we know uh, where everything's familiar to us, we don't like to have someone chase us out of our field when we're chewing the grass and put us into another field, maybe with less grass, and that's what's coming up because we're seeing what we thought of as the communist manifesto that wasn't the communist at all, in a sense, coming into play across the whole planet, where those wealthy countries, and by the way, even if you're working class now, in the first nation countries, you're considered wealthy, and you have to drop your standard of living. You can imagine it won't be the big boys with their banks at the top who are going to drop their standards of living, although they're the guys who are pushing for this world order. That's the kind of world they're bringing in. And... The 
so much is, is going on, you can hardly keep up with it now because it's a, a done deal. It was a done deal in a sense as soon as they signed the final charter for the United Nations a long time ago because then it bound every country to go along with the agenda of the United Nations and it did have an agenda from its inception. I've gone through some of the histories of this too and how basically bankers, who certain bankers were made to be central bankers and they didn't just do it by themselves or for themselves that's an easy way out they were part of a society that's worldwide and they gained their money by all means possible as Mr. Pike said back with more after this break I'm Alan Watford, cutting through the matrix. Just before I go on, I should remember to tell people that you can help support me by going to cuttingthroughthematrix.com website and buying my books and my discs and so on that I have for sale. And you can also donate to me on that website. And that keeps me going. And believe you me, there's not a lot does come in in these days. And I understand it too, because... The economies were all pulled out from under our feet across the world at the same time by collusion of the bankers, of course, and the organizations to which they all belong, and they certainly do belong to organizations. It was all done on cue and time. In fact, you could have kept the banking scam going forever because it was always a scam with Ponzi schemes, etc., but they decided now was the time to do so because we're moving into the next phase. Remember, being a world servant ultimately will be your greatest desire, apparently, in this brave new world of bringing in service to the world. In fact, those, those in the societies that run this world call themselves servants. They really do call themselves servants. Regardless of the incredible incomes they pull in at the top, they call themselves servants. You've got to understand you're dealing with a religion here. Servants to what kind of religion? And they've always called themselves servants. Because it's a very old religion. But they want us all to be the servants that serve this world society. You'll be born, in fact, to serve the world state. Those of you who have looked into Cecil Rhodes will and the, the charter that he drafted up for Rhodes Scholarship should, should try and find it on the net because all of that's in there to do with serving the world state. And you can also get a copy of Plato's Republic because all the big members quote Plato often as their favorite author. Like H.G. Wells said he read it so many times from childhood onwards. And to him, it was a, Ford, a, some, a kind of a, a guidebook, he said. We can tell how things are moving quickly because they're so confident at the top now, they're not hiding very much at all. And it's becoming dangerous even to send discs out to, to people. Here's an article, before I continue, Hope of the Wicked. Here's an article here from the Irish Times, Wednesday, February 11th, 2009. It says, man sought by UK authorities over alleged 
sending of a DVD. And it says, a man sought by the UK authorities for likely attempting to pervert the course of justice by sending a controversial DVD to a judge and jury foreman during a trial relating to bomb attacks in London on July 2005 has appeared before the High Court after being arrested in County Meath. Sheffield-born Anthony John Hill, 60 years old, arrested by the Garda as a police at his home in Carrick Street, Cowles, early yesterday morning on foot of a European arrest warrant. See, a European arrest warrant now. Your countries are gone. A European arrest warrant. Mr. Justice John McMenamin was told. Mr. Hill's extradition, because we extradite him from there, his stand trial, is being sought in relation to his alleged actions during the trial of several people on conspiracy charges. It, it tells us no conspiracy, but they charge them with conspiracy. So it's quite something. Several people on conspiracy charges related to the attacks on July the 7th, 2005, that took place on the London Underground and a London bus. It's, it's alleged that in May and June 2008, Mr. Hill sent several copies of a DVD entitled 7-7 Ripple Effect. And I've mentioned that before. People should watch the series. He sent them to the judge and the form of the jury at the trial of Kingston Crown Court of people allegedly involved in assisting the 2005 bombings. 7-7 Ripple Effect is a film available on the Internet which claims people accused of involvement in the bombings are innocent and that the bombings were also an inside job, perhaps involving state intelligence agencies in either Britain, it says, or Israel. I don't know if it said Israel or not, and I didn't see that when I watched them. The British authorities claim copies of the DVD were sent in packaging with Irish postal marks between September 2007 and December 2007 to five relatives of people who had been killed during the bombing. In court yesterday, Sergeant Sean Fallon said that when arrested at Kell's home, Mr. Hill, when asked about the DVD, had said, I sent it, I believe those men to be innocent. So there you go. The guy obviously believes that that, that whole bombing incident was a setup. I would tend to agree with him. Because uh, whoever made the video certainly went into in great detail and showed you so many things we're supposed to believe are coincidences one after another that it's impossible to have happened the way we're told it happened. But it was a must-be as far as I'm concerned, just like 2001. And the, the towers were a must-be to get this whole New World Order kicked off in a final gear. Remember, terrorism is the big technique. I've talked about that the other day there from this book, Hope of the Wicked, terror, terrorizing the public through fear is being used now for this final drive towards world governments. It's not surprising they're using terror because whenever this system, remember Carl Quigley said that people often mistake the Council on Foreign Relations and the British organization that's called the Royal Institute of International Affairs he says they're often mistaken with their policies for being left-wing or communistic. And it's not a mistake, you see. You see, they created communism, and they financed through their banks, because all the big bankers are part of this. They created the Soviet system, and they ran both sides during the Cold War. I've got lots of documentation of guys at the top of MI5 and 6 still to come in later talks. 
were involved in this as go-betweens between the two countries to ensure that no one really did put a bomb off at all. And Carl quickly said that to himself, by the way. There was no fear of, of any bombs going off as it terrified publics across the whole of Europe that were going to get nuked at any minute. And he used to put out the time clock and it would be two minutes to midnight. You're, just, you're almost at the bomb stage. And they trained children using Bernays techniques to go under their desks at school as though that would do any good at all. But just to get you conditioned to the idea that this was real. Mind you, Carl Quigley said they used the same techniques before World War II started. And they got all their newspaper owners together who belongs to the Royal Institute of International Affairs and CFR and decided at a meeting, he says, they decided at a meeting to terrify the British public that they're all going to get gassed by Adolf Hitler and even got the king to come out and get them all digging up trenches as though that was going to do any good anyway for gas. And he gave everyone gas masks, which he never used. But the whole policy was to terrify the public. And here they are doing the same technique, because after a revolution, they always have a reign of terror. That's standard down through history, run by the same people, by the way. And before I, go, I continue with this book, by the way, too, there's another article that's really interesting. It came out from uh, it's, it's a foreign policy magazine. It's probably owned by the Council on Foreign Relations, just like their magazine Foreign Affairs is owned, owned by them, too. They own dozens and dozens and dozens of mainstream magazines that give us our opinions. And it says, the European Council on Foreign Relations. You see... But now that they've bypassed, and they've got a European Union going, they've bypassed nations. The Council on Foreign Relations has, a, has the whole of Europe now, and they call themselves the European Council on Foreign Relations. They don't use their British title, the Royal Institute of International Affairs. It might upset some countries like France. So it's the ECFR, European Council on Foreign Relations. And they have a branch member in every country on the planet. And they have branches for the Far East. And they have a North American branch as well. And South American branch, Latin American. So here is one of their magazines giving awards for being the top think tanks. And the, the, it's like, kind of like Hollywood get themselves Oscars all the time for being Hollywood. So this this... This journal gives what they call Foreign Policy magazine, uh, gives a, a awards or congratulations to the European Council on Foreign Relations for being the top think tank in Europe. And they've got whole lists of think tanks, by the way, and they're all connected. If you go into that page, just look up European Council on Foreign Relations, ecfr.eu. Very interesting. Very interesting indeed. And I've been going on about this book for the last little while because, as I say, this guy is categorized, not all of it by any means, but he's certainly given a lot in a sequential stage sort of format as to things being introduced into the public, including uh, how they took over the educational system with an agenda, not just taking it over 
and the, the kind of uh, things would start to teach the children for the new coming system, but they'd already planned the whole new system, and how to get rid of uh, students' uh, fixed beliefs. That was part of it. I finished with the Taxonomy of Educational Objectives. Handbook 2 is published in 1964. Author Benjamin Bloom states, a large part of what we call good teaching is a teacher's ability to train to attain effective objectives through challenging the students' fixed beliefs. His outcome-based education method of teaching would first be tried as master learning in Chicago schools. After five years, the students there, their test scores have plummeted, causing outrage amongst parents. Happened all over now. Back with more after this break. to the fore. 
1967, Richard Nixon calls for a new world order in Asia after Vietnam. In the October issue of Foreign Affairs, that's owned by and put out by the Council on Foreign Relations, Nixon writes of nations' dispositions to evolve regional approaches to developmental needs and to the evolution of a new world order. They love the term, don't they? They just love it. 1968, Joy Elmer Morgan, former editor of the NEA Journal, National Education Association Journal, publishes the American Citizen's Handbook in which she says the coming of the United Nations and the urgent necessity that it evolve into a more comprehensive form of world government places upon the citizens of the United States an increased obligation to make the most of their citizenship, which now widens into active world citizenship. Did you see any votes on that anywhere? Was it ever mentioned in any election? It has in the last election, by the way. If you listen to Obama, he brought up quite a few times world citizenship. 1968, Nelson Rockefeller pledges support of the New World Order. In an Associated Press report, Rockefeller pledges that as president, he would work towards international creation of a New World Order. 1970, education and the mass media promote world order. In thinking about a New World Order for the decade 1990, Author Ian Baldwin, Jr. asserts the World Law Fund has begun a worldwide research and educational program that will introduce a new emerging discipline, world order, into educational curricula throughout the world and to concentrate some of its energies on bringing basic world order concepts into the mass media again on a worldwide level. You see, the National Education Association is, is part of the International Education Association and, you, and they all belong to the United Nations. 1972, President Richard Nixon visits China and is toast to Chinese Premier Chu Enlai, former CFR member Nixon, and now President Nixon expresses the hope that each of us has to build a new world order. 1972, Dr. Chester M. Pierce of Harvard University in the keynote address to the Association for Childhood Education International in Denver, Colorado, states, every child in America entering school at the age of five is insane because he comes to school with certain allegiances toward our founding fathers, towards his parents, toward a belief in a supernatural being, a God, toward the sovereignty of this nation as a separate entity. It's up to you to make all of these sick children well. So that was Dr. Chester M. Pierce of Harvard University in the keynote address to the Association for Childhood Education International. And you see, that's right out of communism too in Marxist teachings, that everyone, you see, brought up in the old system, regardless of what old system it was, was mentally ill. And that's what Bernays said too, and all the psychiatric professions too. Everyone is mentally ill if you believe in anything to do with family, religion, or any of, it, of that kind of stuff that was just obsolete, had to go. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. 
Hi folks, this is Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. Just going over some of the more recent history on this road towards world government, but not just a world government. It's a plan, society they're talking about. The plan is very old, and it's not going to be a happy place at all, because it'll be run with a very strict nanny, or by one, I should say. I just read the part from 1972 by Dr. Chester M. Pierce of Harvard University. I should repeat that last part. This is the address he gave to the Association for Childhood Education International in Denver, Colorado. Every child in America entering school at the age of five is insane because he comes to school with certain allegiances towards our founding fathers, towards his parents, towards a belief in a supernatural being, toward the sovereignty of this nation as a separate entity. It's up to you to make all of these six children well. And lots been written on that, in fact, even long before this, because the American uh, and the World Psychiatric Association also came to the same conclusion. And I think it was, I think it was Truman, or it's either Truman or Eisenhower, signed a bill in Congress on behalf of the American Psychiatric Association that said pretty well everyone in the U.S. was technically insane. And supposedly their whole idea for taking over uh, everything and re-educating us into the proper way of thinking and doing and being was because they looked at World War II and how what they said was how one man could whip up the masses into war, which is utter, utter nonsense, because the guys who financed Adolf Hitler, as Professor Anthony Sutton went through, were the same big banks that run the foundations and are pushing for world government. Today, they funded all sides of all wars. Well documented. And speaking of the coming of world government, Roy M. Ash, Director of the Office of Management and Budget, declares, within two decades, the institutional framework for a world economy or economic community will be in place and aspects of individual sovereignty will be given over to a supranational authority. And it's happening all the time right now to the new economic system they're bringing in. 1972, Cecil Golden, former Florida Associate Commissioner of Education, writes in the ledger, like those assembling an atom bomb, very few of them understand what they're building and won't until we put all the parts together. Very good way of putting it, because you see, they have all these non-governmental organizations all thinking they're going for their own thing, at least at the bottom. The leaders know where they're taking them. But once it's all together, you've got a new Soviet. It's the world Soviet, ruled by councils. But the councils, just like the Soviet Union, are picked, at least the leaders are picked by the Politburo, which really, in this case, is the world CFR and their foundations and the bankers to finance them. They get, they get incredible paychecks in these NGOs. They are, you see, this is the, the real democracy they've always talked about. Everyone else thought it was us getting the vote. No, real democracy, it's written 100 years ago, will consist of the biggest groups across the planet who have financing behind them, who are organized, working together towards a world government. And the Soviet Union was run technically by non-governmental organizations that got together under the Supreme Council 
If you'll notice, supreme is a very popular term with United Nations too. It's a, it is the real Soviet. It's the world Soviet, ruled by councils, these big NGOs who are paid to do what they're doing. And the Soviet Union, the leaders of the NGOs were picked by the Politburo. Here they're picked by the CFR. 1972, Cecil Golden, former Florida Associate Commissioner for Education writes in the ledger, I've done that one. 1973, the Trilateral Commission is established. Banker David Rockefeller, who runs the Council on Foreign Relations, and a whole host of organizations. And, and right now, of course, he's in, at the head of all the ones for the amalgamation of the Americas, especially Latin America. Banker David Rockefeller organizes this new private body and chooses Zygmunt Brzezinski, later National Security Advisor to President Carter, that's the NSA, as the Commissioner's first director and invites Jimmy Carter to become a founding member. 1973, Humanist Manifesto 2 is published and states, and I put it up on my website there, I put the link there a couple of nights ago. The next century can be and should be the humanistic century. We stand at the dawn of a new age. Isn't that something like, I think, Obama's dead in his acceptance speech? The love dawns in new ages, you know. And also like, now is the time, stuff like that. The dawn of a new age, a secular society on a planetary scale. Secular. Novo Ordo Seclorum. As non-theists, we begin with humans, not God. Nature not deity. We deplore the division of humankind on nationalistic grounds. Thus we look to the development of a system of world law and a world order based upon transnational federal government. The true revolution is occurring. 1973. I've got links up there. You also take those links, by the way, on that Humanist Manifesto. And I'll take you to another group which they own. They own a whole umbrella of organizations, the Humanist Association. And you go to 777 um, United Nations Plaza because they're right into depopulation. Mucho pronto is very, very high on the agenda. 1974, former U.S. Deputy Assistant Secretary of State, Trilateralist and Council on Foreign Relations member Richard Gardner's article, The Hard Road to World Order, is published by the Council on Foreign Relations Foreign Affairs magazine, wherein he states that the House of World Order will have to be built from the bottom up rather from the top down, but an end run around national sovereignty, eroding it piece by piece, will accomplish much more than the old-fashioned frontal assault. And that's been done. Terrorism's great for that, isn't it? You throw everything out the window. 1974, the World Conference of Religion for Peace. And remember what they, how they define peace? That's when they have triumphed. Held in Louvain, Belgium, is held. Douglas Roche presents a report entitled We Can Achieve a New World Order. The United Nations calls for wealth redistribution. Wealth redistribution. A report entitled New International Economic Order. Have we heard that before recently? The UN General Assembly outlines a plan to redistribute the wealth from the rich to the poorer nations. 
You know all you in the States and Canada are losing your homes right now and can't pay your taxes for property and so on, are rich? Because it's you that's paying for all. 1975, and all you guys who rent as well, you're all paying for it all. 1975, a study titled A New World Order is published by the Center of International Studies. Woodrow Wilson School of Public and International Studies, Princeton University. I've already mentioned that place because it's a big player in it. 1975, retired Admiral Chester Ward, former Judge Advocate General of the U.S. Navy and former Council on Foreign Relations member, writes in a critique that the goal of the CFR is the submergence of U.S. sovereignty and national independence into an all-powerful one-world government. 1975, Kissinger on the Couch is published. Authors Phyllis Schlafly and Admiral Chester Ward state, once the ruling members of the CFR have decided that the U.S. government should espouse a particular policy, the very substantial research facilities of the CFR are put to work to develop arguments, intellectual and emotional, to support the new policy and to confound, discredit intellectually and politically any opposition. How can you fight that when they own the media? Carl Quigley, in an interview, said himself he used to get pulled out by the CFR to, <clears throat> to oppose certain speakers who were talking about this very thing happening, the fact that the U.S. was being taken over and its sovereignty given away, and they used to send him out on behalf of the Council on Foreign Relations to try and discredit the authors of different books on television. That's what they did. That's what his job was. Pull it on intellectual, try and ridicule the person who's, who's giving the alarm. In 1975, Seattle Post Intelligence reports that Henry Kissinger said, Our nation is uniquely endowed to play a creative and decisive role in a new order which is taking form around us. 1976, Rio, Reshaping the International Order, is published by the Globalist Club of Rome, as the guys who dreamed up global warming, calling for a new international order, including an economic redistribution of wealth. This is right off the Communist Manifesto, because guess who drafted up the Communist Manifesto in London and financed the writers to do it? 1976, the National Education Association unveils its plan of education for the New World Order under Goals 2000. The summary report of the NEA Bicentennial Program reveals its goals to change the course of American education for the 21st century by embracing the ideals of global community and the equality and interdependence of all peoples and nations. The NEA Earth Day curriculum has targeted 45 million public school children with what Mikhail Gorbachev has coined the cornerstone for the New World Order. This one world concept is not new in 46 the former NEA journal editor, Joy Elmer Morgan, called the school the very heart of world government. Cornerstone for the new world order, eh? They love to build society, don't they? These builders, these craftsmen. 
According to Forbes, the 30-year decline in American education is directly linked with the rise of the National Education Association. Of course it was. That was the point. You don't want intelligent, educated people knowing what's going on. Its escalating power had precisely matched the discouraging scenario of increased spending with worsening results. 1976, in Congress, 32 senators and 92 representatives signed a Declaration of Interdependence written by historian Henry Steele Comager. The declaration states that we must join with others to bring forth a new world order. Narrow notions of national sovereignty must not be permitted to curtail that obligation. Congresswoman Marjorie Holt refuses to sign the declaration, saying it calls for the surrender of our national sovereignty to international organizations. It declares that our economy should be regulated by international authorities. It proposes that we enter a new world order that would redistribute the wealth created by the American people. And all this time, the Cold War supposedly was going on. I always wondered when I was young why the U.S. was sending troops all over the planet to fight communism when it was all happening inside their own country. And to me, it was so evident, even though I was in Britain at the time. the third try at World Order is published. Author Harlan Cleveland of the Aspen Institute for Humanistic Studies calls for changing (coughs) Americans' attitudes and institutions for complete disarmament, except for international soldiers and for individual entitlements to food, health, and education. 1977, Imperial Brain Trust by Lawrence Shoup and William Minter is published. The book takes a critical look at the Council on Foreign Relations with chapters such as Shaping a New World Order, the Council's Blueprint for Global Hegemony, 1939-1944, and towards the 1980s, the Council's Plans for a New World Order. 1977, the Trilateral Connection appears in the July edition of Atlantic Monthly, Written by Jeremiah Novak, it says, For the third time in a century, a group of American schools, businessmen, and government officials is planning to fashion a new world order. 1977, leading educator Mortimer Adler publishes Philosopher at Large, in which he says, If local civil government is necessary for local civil peace, then world civil government is necessary for world peace. No, no doubt that was all, all written by a PR person. As you can tell us a marketer who wrote that from. And they do come up with slogans. Remember Lenin said we shall win by slogans? Everything now is a slogan. Everything. If you want your slogans, go into the schools and listen to the children. We used to see on television when I was young, in China, the Chinese children being taught to read and recite Matsu Tung's little red book. And they all did it in chorus, you see. Well, there's a lot of that going on with the greening right now, with Mr. Uh, Owl's little green book, Mr. Gore. 1979, Barry Goldwater, retiring Republican senator from Arizona, publishes his autobiography called With No Apologies. He writes, in my view, the Trilateral Commission represents a skillful, coordinated effort to seize control 
and consolidate the four centers of power, political, monetary, intellectual, and ecclesiastical. All this is to be done in the interest of creating a more peaceful, more productive world community. What the trilateralists truly intend is the creation of a worldwide economic power superior to the political governments of the nation-states involved. They believe the abundant materialism they propose to create will overwhelm existing differences. As managers and creators of the system, they will rule the future. And he had it right on there, because it's based on Marxist philosophy. See, all the big system that runs the world today came out of the same... It's all part, it's just a later edition of the same system that even predated Marx. And they were revolutionaries to begin with. They knew where they, where they were going. Marx, remember, talked about materialism. It's all based on materialism, and that's what this new system is coming down to. Your, your value to society. And you better believe they mean it. Your value to society. Because if you have no value to society, you'll either be a non-person or you won't exist physically. And I'm not kidding about that. It's all down to economics and materialism. And sustainable development is now how termed it. That's what it means. It's the same thing. New terminology for the same thing. Back with more after this break. here too that I sometimes get books or authors I should say email me and ask me if I'd bring them on and push their books and one guy who's a motivational counsellor is probably typical of what they're turning out these days one of the guys who get on stage and flap their, their arms around and, and, and run around as though they're manic or, they're, or they've had some uppers or something to try and make you all excited they can go out and get anything you want but he said that his job was to, to bring um, some light back into a, 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 an apathetic world to make sure that you can continue to function and prosper in tough times. And he says, and increase your value to society. That's what they're getting taught. What's your value to society? What is your value to society? Think about that. See, that's sustainable development. That's how it's measured. Back to Hope of the Wicked, 1980, Dr. James H. Billington, who received his doctorate as a Rhodes Scholar at Oxford University, so he was for world government. And I've mentioned this book, I've read parts of the book out, because he followed and traced some, but not all, of the, of the revolutionary movement. He wouldn't give you it all, because when you're a Rhodes Scholar, you've been trained to go forward for world government. So here he is, a librarian at the Congress, for Congress. He taught at Harvard and Princeton universities as well. He writes in his book entitled Fire in the Minds of Men. This book seeks to trace the origins of a faith, perhaps the faith of our time. What is new is the belief that a perfect secular, meaning worldly order, will emerge from the forcible overthrow of traditional authority. 
And I always wondered why he didn't go beyond the date he left off at his book. He didn't go into the 20th century, and he couldn't because, you see, it was still ongoing. And he knew that. He knew that they were taking down the U.S. from within. 1984, The Power to Lead is published. Author James McGregor Burns admits the framers of the U.S. Constitution have simply been too shrewd for us. They've outwitted us. They designed separate institutions that cannot be unified by mechanical linkages, frail bridges, or tinkering. If we return the founders upside down, we must directly confront the constitutional structure they erected. 1985, Norman Cousins, the honorary chairman of Planetary Citizens for the World We Choose, or We Chose, it says here, is quoted in Human Events. World government is coming. In fact, it's inevitable. No arguments for it or against it can be can change that fact. Cousins was also president of the World Federalist Association, an affiliate of the World Association for World Federation. WAWF headquarters are in Amsterdam. WAWF is a leading force for world federal government and is accredited by the United Nations as a non-governmental organization. Of course it is. Who funds it, though? Well, guess who? Trace it. <laughs> you never get surprises. 1985, Alexei Kovilov speaks at an evening meeting held in Windstar, Colorado, about the 12th World Festival of Youth and Students held in Moscow a few months prior to his lecture. He says there were three programs. The first was political and dealt with the various issues of peace and disarmament. The second was dedicated to environmental issues, 1985, and the third to the new international economic order, which we're going through right now. See, it's all planned step by step. Was living through a script. From Hamish and myself in Ontario, Canada, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>